and we'll get uh, started this morning here. We'll just start reading in verse number 9, and uh, it is good to see all the jerseys and shirts and everything from our favorite teams for Super Bowl Sunday here, I guess. We used to do a soup on Sunday nights on Super Bowl. We had a soup night, Q&A, and like two people showed up, so it was... I was like, okay, well, that ain't going to work because everybody's watching the game, you know. <laughs> so, you know, hey, you try, but uh, get the Saints together. But uh, sometimes you get outvoted by, uh, by the big ones. So, all right, uh, chapter 3 here, uh, verse number 9. For we are labors together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. Now, read all of that so we get it in our, in our mindset about where we're at here as Paul, again, the two analogies that Paul uses in verse 9, you're God's husbandry, and then year God's building. And, and we looked at the husbandry and, and looking at God's building now. Uh, again, the, the context here is there's going to be a building, construction. If you look down at verse 16, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And that issue of the temple, we'll talk a little bit more about the, the, the temple thing next week, but that issue of the temple... In, 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 the, in the context here on this building, uh, verse 10, 9 and 10, uh, well, verse 10, it, 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 verse 10 becomes a very significant verse here as Paul is going to warn the Corinthians now about a coming event called the judgment seat of Christ. And the reason that he goes through such detail here in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, is because the Corinthians need it. They need to be rebuked. They need to be warned that they're in jeopardy of loss. Now, verse 15, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Now, as we go through this, we'll, we're not going to get into all the detail today, obviously, because we're just in verse 10. But there, there is a loss here that's going to happen and the loss isn't a loss of salvation. It isn't a loss of justification. Uh, the judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do with whether you're going to spend eternity in heaven or hell for the rest of your days. Calvary answers that. See, the judgment seat is going to be on how did you build. See, that, and, we'll, and again, the end there, verse 10, but let every man take heed how he buildeth Thereupon, The judgment seat is dealing with the how did you build, not whether or not you build, because guess what? Verse 12 says you're building regardless. 
as a believer, you do not have a choice in the matter. You will be building. You're either going to build gold, silver, precious stones, or wood, hay, and stubble. And we'll identify those as we go down through them. And the reason I lay this in is, is to set up verse 10. So in the context here now of building, Paul is going to bring in this issue of the judgment seat of Christ because the Corinthians, uh, it, it, if you look there at the end of verse 10, but let every man take heed. Warning, pay attention. you got to be careful here. Not whether you're building, but how are you building, see? And Paul here, you're, Paul to the Corinthians, you're building with inferior material, wood, hay, and stubble. Knock it off. You need to get over here in the gold, precious stones, and silver, okay? You're building in that inferior material of man's wisdom, human wisdom, the wisdom of this world, which he's been hammering on them all through here now, which, by the way, that's where wood, hay, and stubble lie, okay? Gold, silver, and precious stones, as we see, we'll get in here. That's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. That's working and operating in the edification process that God has laid out and has set in order by the, the person and the pen of the Apostle Paul. And that's why verse 10 is such a significant verse here. And usually what happens is, is people read it and they run right to verse 12 because we're going to hammer away at you and we're going to make you feel guilty because you're not doing it. Right, 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 right. And God's going to get you one day. And you know, the judgment seat of Christ is not a gotcha moment. See, he already got you. And that was at Calvary. See, he does, he's not getting you again. See, God's not going to get up there and go, all right there, people, who did what? You know, and No, that's, that's what religion does to keep you under the, their thumb. But before we can get into all that, <laughs> I, we will. You've got to look at verse 10 here. Because God is building a house. And we inter- talked about it last time. Uh, come over to Hebrews 3, just to kind of remind ourselves of what we looked at last time. Hebrews chapter 3. God is building a house today in the age of grace, and it has nothing to do with Israel and the prophetic program. It has nothing to do with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the book of Acts. It has nothing to do with uh, what is called the house of Israel, Hebrews 3. And it has nothing to do with the new covenant house, the messianic covenant, the messianic house. And again, we looked here at Hebrews 3 last time. Verse number 1, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, considering the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also was faithful in all his house. Moses was appointed to build the house of Israel. He was the lawgiver. He was the builder. Down in verse 6, But Christ as a son over his own house. Whose house are we if we hold fast the confidence and so forth? Jesus Christ, when he came on the earthly ministry, you go back there uh, uh, and you begin to understand, go back there to 1 Corinthians, you begin to understand that Jesus Christ was also building a house and pointed to build a house, but it wasn't the house of Israel and the law. He was to come over here now and to build the new covenant house, not the mosaic but the messianic, he's going to ask the guys in 
Matthew 16, who do they say that I am? And they say, you're the Christ. Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And the son of God, and he says, yes, you're right. And upon this rock, not rock Peter, but rock the testimony of who, by the way, capital R, rock, who is that? Paul tells us it's Christ. Deuteronomy doesn't say who it is, but he says Israel's building on a little rock, Baal worship, idolatry. You should have been building on the big rock, capital R. Who, he says, look, I'm going to build in on Christ, but the man, not Christ just in a general way, but Christ as that, as that, as Peter identified him as the Messiah. You are the Christ. You're the Messiah, the Son of God the son of the living God. That's, so there's a, there's a proclamation here. So there's two houses that God has built. Mosaic, old covenant, law, house of Israel. Then Christ comes in and builds the messianic law house, the house on the, built upon the new covenant, the little flock, the believing remnant. But in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon. Paul, today, God is building a new house, a completely different house, a mystery house. You guys ever see the uh, lifestyles of the rich and the famous? That's dating you, isn't it? (laughs) Okay, and you go back and, and you see the, and you go in and you've never been in some of the, and it's like, wow, look at this is Madonna's house or, or Michael Jackson's thing, you know, and all this stuff. And well, you know what? God's doing, he's building a mystery house, see. And it's a house that's going to be based upon the instructions given to the Apostle Paul. And as Paul is given the instructions in the form of sound words, as the wise master builder. He's laying a foundation. And in, if you're laying a foundation, then you're laying something new. Not building upon something already there, but I'm building something new that no one has made. Verse 11, the foundation is Jesus Christ. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. We'll talk about some more of that here in a little bit. The foundation is Jesus Christ, not according to prophecy, not according to Israel's program, not according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Remember Romans 15, 8, Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision to confirm the promises made unto the Father. See, he wasn't just a minister. He was there doing something very specific. Now it's going to be according to the revelation of the mystery. So now we're going to preach Christ in a new and different manner. We're going to preach him in a different way and according to. Again, verse 10, according to. Here's the measure. We're going to measure it out according to what? According to the ruler stick, according to the standard. And that, again, that's that information, the instructions, the form of sound words given to the wise master builder who's who. Paul. So you've got Moses, he's a master builder. You've got the Lord, he's a master builder. And now you've got Paul. And what's happening is you have to understand why Paul even has to say this. 
See, Paul ought to be able, he, again, the Corinthians are, they're, they're carnal, they're rebelling, they're, they're uh, leaving wisdom, uh, God's wisdom, divine wisdom, they're following human wisdom. And Paul is rebuking them. He's giving them corrective doctrine to bring them back in. But we need to under, remember why Paul even has to go through this. And it has to be back, it goes back up to verse 4, well, verse 3. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of a Paul, and another, I am of a Paulus, ye are not, are ye not carnal? You know what's happening? When you live and operate in human wisdom, man's wisdom, man's religion, you know what pops up? Envying, strifes, and divisions. That's the byproduct of it. That's the fruit of it. So what has happened at Corinth is they are questioning Paul's authority as an apostle. And they be, they're beginning, uh, come over to 2 Corinthians 13. We didn't look at this, did we? I tried to look back at my notes to sit. If we did, just hang on, we'll do it again. It's good to be reminded. 2 Corinthians 13. I didn't hear anybody say, yeah, we looked at this. Move on, preacher. <laughs> okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. So we have to remember why Paul is even having to say, I'm the wise master builder. I've laid the foundation. The foundation is Jesus Christ, but you need to take heed how you're going to build upon this foundation. And it's because the Corinthians are questioning his apostolic authority. And they're doing it by comparing Paul and Apollos. 2 Corinthians 13, look at verse 3. Since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you it is not weak, but is mighty in you. What are they, at this late date, this is at least the third writing, if not fourth. What are they still doing to Paul? They're still seeking a proof that Christ is even, that they're still looking for the, the that, hey, Christ is speaking in you. This is not a good thing. This is a sad state of affairs here. Proof. Now, since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, which to you it is not weak, but is mighty in you, for, the, for though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves. They're looking for a proof that Christ is speaking in Paul. You know what Paul says? You're the proof. See? Verse 5, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith. Are you guys saved? Are you in the faith? Yeah. How'd you get there? Whose gospel saved you? See? What information brought you to that moment of, you know what, I, who brought you to the love and the grace and the goodness of Christ? The goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance, Romans 2 says. Who's, who, who did, I did that, Paul says. Say, you guys, you're look, you know what, go look in the mirror. 
You want to seek a proof of Christ speaking in me and working through me and giving me the authority as the apostle? Just go look at yourselves. You're the epistle written up on my heart. You guys are the, guy, are, are, the, are the ones. I don't need to roll it out again for, well, but he's going to. Come back to chapter 11 of, first, of 2 Corinthians. You see, folks, what, what is happening here at Corinth is what's happening in the church at large today across the board. When you say, we follow Paul, what did they say? Oh, yeah, he was a, you know. And they raise the objections. Why? Because they don't believe he's what? One of the apostles. Now, he's not one of the 12, but he is the apostle of the Gentiles. So they question that. There's Corinthians doing the same thing. The same issues that you raised about Paul when Paul was introduced to you, the same issues that you have been raised to you as you've talked to others about who Paul is, same thing, they're raising them. Look, look, look here at uh, chapter 11. Look down at verse 18, 2 Corinthians eleven eighteen. 18. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. Now, that's sarcasm by Paul, okay? Because Paul never glories after the flesh. He, he says, I'm the off-scouring. He's going to talk about me, <laughs> me personally. I, I'm, I'm the least of it. I'm not, you know. But he says, what, what are they doing to you guys at Corinth? They're glorying after your flesh. They, the Corinthians have allowed the religious crowd to come in. Verse 19, for ye suffer fools gladly, seeing yourselves are wise. You guys think you're so smart, you let these guys come in and take from you. Verse 20, for ye suffer, you, su you allow this to happen. If a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face... You let that religious crowd come in there and rob you, steal from you, take of you, and then physically beat you up. You let them do it because you think you're wise. Verse 21, I speak as concerning reproach, as though we had been weak. Howbeit, whensoever any is bold, I speak foolishly. By the way, that's how you know Paul's being sarcastic here, okay? I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Do you see what they're, who these guys are, don't you? Who are? They're, they're of that religious crowd called Judaism. They've walked in and they've laid out their fleshly paperwork of we were circumcised the eighth day according to, you know. Whoop-de-doo for your Subaru. It doesn't mean anything, guys. But see, the Corinthians should have known that, but, they, but they're weak. They're babes. They're still in diapers, spiritually speaking. So they let these guys, well, shoot, man. They, they got, look at all of their diplomas on the wall. They got to have it right. See, what does Paul have? He's got some sto weird story about the road to Damascus thing. Oh, what is that about? See, 
He's got this weird idea that he's the man. And they just let these guys. Look at verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a. So what are they claiming to be? Ministers of Christ. By the way, if you let your eye run back down to verse 13 or up to verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Verse 15, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of right. Who are these guys really working for? For the adversary, see. How are they doing it? They're coming in with the course of this world. They're using words that are deformed and sustained by the course of the adversary, the course of the world, and it's all geared in man's wisdom. We really know that God didn't stop the earth's rotation. We really know. That's just tomfoolery. No, it's not. See, But man's wisdom, verse 24, I'm, I'm sorry, verse 23, I am more. And labors more abundantly, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent, and deaths off of the Jews. See that? Of the Jews. Who's pressuring? Who's got these guys under the thumb? The Jews do. Five times received I 40 stripes, save one. And then he goes down. Paul says, you know what? They say they're this. I am that. See? And then he lays out from verse 24 all the way down the suffering that he endured for the Corinthians. The suffering that he endured for the body of Christ. And he rehearses all the suffering that he went through. If you look down there at verse... Uh, 28, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? Why would he be offended? Because here you got a bunch of crybabies. Come over to chapter 12. You got a bunch of crybabies still in diapers wanting to seek a proof that God, that he, Paul has the authority that he claims to have. And Paul lays out for them all of the stuff that he went through, in contrast there in chapter 11 to what did the religious crowd do for you? They beat you, they took from you, they stole from you, they robbed you, and then when you said enough, they left you. And that's chapter 12. Paul's point here is look at what I put up with to love you, to care for you, to come along and to minister to you, Corinthians. The religious crowd will not do that. They will drop you like a hot potato the moment you fight back, speak up. Chapter 12, look at verse 14. Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you. Isn't that interesting? For I, here's his thinking, for I seek not yours, but what? You. I, when I get there at Corinth, I, don't, I will put myself up in the Holiday Inn. Because I don't want you to use it. Because what would they say? Well, when Paul come to town, he made us pay for his hotel room. Dirty, rotten, so-and-so. 
yet they'll turn right around and bring the big preacher in from the religious group, and not only will they put him up, they'll get him a rental car, and they'll feed him dinner at the greatest steak five-star restaurants because that's what he's got to have. He's got to have his bowl of M&Ms the right way. No reds, no blues, just green. And his entourage is coming. You all heard Taylor Swift's been in the air now 12 hours. She's coming. <laughs> Say, I, hey, I'm, I'm hip. I'm right there. I watched some news last night. Can't goofball news. They pull up a radar with a plane on it, and they go, there she is. I'm like, how do you know that's her? Come on, you know. I guess the tail number, but who knows, you know. I, but that's what they do. Now, you just think about the religious superstars out there, the celebrities. What do they do? I can't have Fuji water. I got to have Kirkland water. <laughs> Heaven forbid. That's what they're doing. Verse 14, Paul says, I don't want to be burdensome to you. I didn't come for your stuff. I came for you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. I came to take care of you. I love you. Religion could care less about you. They seek your stuff. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for you. Uh, hold on to here. Look at Galatians 6. Probably the greatest, one of the greatest verses on description of religion and how it functions. Galatians 6 and verse 12. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised. They, they make you, to have that fair show in the flesh, they say, you got to keep the rules. <gasps> How dare you wear a Walter Payton jersey in the pulpit? <sighs> they make a fair show. They constrain you to be circumcised. Only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory where? Now go back to 2 Corinthians 12. Paul's like, I didn't come to glory in your flesh. I came for you. Religion comes in and they're going to glory and they're going to set you underneath that performance-based system. And if you perform, then we'll accept you and God loves you. And you know what? You better be given 100% here today because we got to raise this, we got to do this and all this stuff. And Paul says, I don't need any of that. I'll take care of myself. I'll work with Aquila and Priscilla down at the tent-making company. I'll handle that. I'm not here asking for your money. By the way, he never asked the Corinthians for giving until it came time for the poor saints of Jerusalem giving. And then when he asked them, he gives them the rules of the equality of giving, and he's hammering on them <laughs> because they should be able to, they're not growing. Look at verse 15. And I will very gladly spend. I'm after you. 2 Corinthians 12, 15. I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I'm after you guys. <laughs> I'm not after your stuff. I got a black ch charge card here. Take it, spend it. I don't care. I'll pay the bill later. 
And when you're done spending everything I've got, actually, when you're done spending me, then I'll get you some more. So when, you know, just, I love you the less I be loved. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. He says, I didn't come down there and catch you in a, in a snare. I came down there and I caught you in my love for you. And whatever the bill is, don't worry, I'll pay it. You just go, I'm here for you. And yet, what are they doing, 13.3? They're seeking a proof of Christ speaking in him. You see, the Corinthians... They, they're digging themselves into a spiritual debt hole here. And Paul says, I'll meet that need. And all the Corinthians are a bunch of ingrates. They don't understand what Paul's doing. I love you. The less I be loved, I love you more. And all they can do is... we. We need, this, we need proof that Christ is speaking in you. So when you come back to 1 Corinthians 3, now we went to 2 Corinthians because I wanted to do, I, we did 2 Corinthians because it's such a late date. In 1 Corinthians 3, he's at the very beginning of this debacle. And he says, I, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth. Thereon. And again, we need to remember, we need to recognize why Paul is even saying this. Why does he have to? And the reason that he's addressing his role as the apostle of the Gentiles, as the wise master builder, is because of the Corinthians. They're moving away from Paul. They're distancing himself. They say, oh, his, his, his appearance is contemptible. We don't, we don't want him. We want Apollos. He's good looking. Not beat up so much. I mean, you think about all that in 2 Corinthians 11. <laughs> You're beat with the rod. Through. He was in a shipwreck. There's, not e there's one shipwreck not even mentioned in the passage that happens after he writes Corinthians. <laughs> you know? Could you imagine being beaten with the rod and then there's no urgent care to run to or ER room to run? Now, Dr. Luke is there doing the best he can to set it. I mean, you think, about, you think about a rib break or something and the pain, and he just gets up and, all right, let's go. And they're like, no, dude, you need to rest. Nope, we're on, let's go. The marred. He says, in the body I bear the marks of. I mean, this is not a, and the Corinthians are like, yeah, we still need proof. We still need you to pony up some. They're distancing. And they're doing it. And, and by the way, they're gravitating toward that religious crowd, the Jews. Now, what would they say? We have Moses. We have Abraham. We've got all this scriptural backing back here. They don't acknowledge. By the way, they would not acknowledge Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and Acts. Why? Because they didn't acknowledge the Lord Jesus Christ's earthly ministry. They didn't acknowledge Peter and them as they did that Acts ministry. So they're not, but they are acknowledging what? The Old Testament, that old covenant. See, we got proof we're God's people. Paul, you say you're God's people. What? Prove it. 
And he's like, go look in the mirror. They don't get it. Bunch of ingrates, bunch of babies. So he's reproving them. And then he says, after in his reaffirming of his apostle apostolic authority, according to the grace given me, according to the grace of God which is given unto me. And that's the issue. Come over to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. According to the grace, and I think this is about where we picked up, last, left off last time. Well, this is where we're picking up today, <laughs> okay? Accor- according to the grace of God given to me, Ephesians 3, verse 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. The gift of the grace of God given unto me. The, the, the gift, the grace of God, it's an acknowledging the call of the new and wise master builder. It's the, it's the grace that God bestowed in appointing Paul as the apostle, as master builder, wise master builder, as the leader, as the first one in. Verse 8. This grace unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, the appointment as the apostle, the appointment as the wise master builder, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. The least, I love that, less than the least. <laughs> He's, see, he, uh, Paul, I'm unique. I'm different. Now, he's not seeking glory and, oh, you know, I'm humble and proud of it. He's not talking about himself personally as the man. He's talking about, here's who I, it's God's message, it's God's ministry, God gives the increase, it's God's truth, and I, he, he valued me so much that he put me into Christ and he made me this. It's not me, guys. It's who Christ has, who God has made me. It's the gift of the grace of God given to me. Now, he didn't do this to you. He didn't make you an apostle. See, Paul's saying, I'm the guy. Now, what did he make you? An ambassador and a member of the family. See, but Paul, is, Paul stands over here, and there are things that God does with Paul, gives Paul the ability to do. We read about, we study. He didn't give that to you. He didn't give that to anybody but Paul. Why? He's the man. Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 1. By the way, verse 3.8, Unto me who am less than the least of all the saints, of all the saints is this grace given that I should preach. That is not false humility. That is Paul identifying the and acknowledging what's happened to him by God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, by the Godhead. He's not sitting over here trying to pat himself on the back. I can't even get my hand back there. Pat himself on the back. He's, the Corinthians or what? We seek a proof. Prove it. And Paul's like, what more do I have to do, man? Here, here it is. Look over at 1 Timothy chapter 1. And what, again, 
what Paul is going to hammer down in chapter 3 with the Corinthians is you guys need to have a better, you need to have a proper view of yourself. You need to have a proper view of what's happening and what God's doing. Because if you don't, there's a, an event coming out in the future, judgment seat of Christ, you're going to lose out on some things here. And again, the loss there isn't a loss of eternity in heaven. It's a loss of service. It's a, a reward that's going to happen there. We'll get into all that. 1 Timothy 1. In referring to his apostleship, the apostle Paul was disqualified to be an apostle. Okay? When Paul says, The gift of the grace of God given unto me, he know, and I'm the le- less than the least, he is acknowledging, he understands that he should not have, could not have been an apostle. That's why it's the gift of the grace of God given to me. Okay? He understood who he was. And he understands at how great God's great God is to do what? To bestow the gift of grace to him. Because Paul understands where he should have been, which was roasting in the lake of fire. And he's not. He's now being used over here. You see, he understands. And he marvels at how God did what he did with him, with the Apostle Paul. By the way, so should you and I. 1 Timothy 1, if you look at verse 12, Paul says, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Now that is not about Paul's faithfulness, because Paul wasn't faithful. Well, how do you know that? Verse 13, what was he? Who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious? Who was he? He's a persecutor. He's a blasphemer. He violated Matthew chapter 12 and in the, in the blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. He should have been, his destiny on the road to Damascus prior to the Lord inter, intervening and changing, and do, his destiny was hell. He didn't have a future in the ages to come. He was done. He was toast. You see, it's not a, there are three areas of rebellion there. Blasphemer, Matthew 12, Acts 8. A persecutor, Acts 22, Acts 26, he says, I persecuted the church. Injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. You got to think about what Paul's doing, saying here. He doesn't meet the qualifications to be an apostle of Acts chapter number 1. which they had, You start with John the Baptist with the baptism and you go all the way out to the ascension. You got to be there. Where was Paul? Saul of Tarsus. He's sitting at the feet of Gamaliel cooking up how we're going to nail the dude. That's what he's doing. When they go and get Saul, when they go get the Lord in the garden... Saul is nearby, has to be, because of his vehement opposition to. I think about that. You think about what the, trial, the mock trial of the Lord that evening. Saul was a, a junior senator sitting over on the side, just watching and listening. 
He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel's there. Gamaliel deals with Peter and them in the early Acts. He's there. Saul of Tarsus walks right into the chief priest and says, give me the, the warrants for arrest. And, okay, cool. You're, well, he, Galatians 1, he's prospered above mine equal financially in the Jews' religion. He's the chief of sinners. Verse 15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He's leading the rebellion against God and God's people. There's a thought that if God had not interrupted the program that he would have been the Antichrist. Who knows? Very possibly could have been. But praise the Lord, God interrupted the program. What was Paul? Paul says, I didn't qualify guys. Verse 14, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. There's that man. Paul nails it right there. Paul says, I'm a two-time loser over here. I should not, I don't qualify. I don't meet Acts 1. I don't meet, you know, by the way, 1 Corinthians 15, the first eight verses, last of all was seen of me as one born out of due time. That is a violent birth. That is an aborted birth. That's violence there. Because what should Paul have been? He should have been toast. But God, there's a violence in that. Spiritually speaking, okay? And Paul says, you know what? I should have never been considered as an apostle. I don't meet the requirements of Acts 1. And I'm out here blaspheming and persecuting and nailing God's people. Now, think about this. Because think about verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. How be it, for this cause I obtain mercy, that in me, what's that? First, Jesus Christ might show forth on long suffering for a pattern to them which here, should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. Do you know what Paul's saying? The first person that Christ came into the world to save was me. Why did Christ come for in Israel? Why was he born of a virgin? To confirm the promises made unto the fathers. Not, he came to save his people from their sins, yes. But Paul says, you know what? When he came in the world to save sinners, the first person Christ saves, when he comes into the world to save sinners, was Saul of Tarsus. He says, in me first. Christ showed a what? A pattern for, the, for them that come following after me, in me first. That's why in Galatians 1, he'll say he, to reveal his son in me, in me, in me. Not by me, not through me, but in me. He's doing something new. When have, think about what happened here. Saul of Tarsus is on the road to Damascus. Heaven opens, Acts 9. When Stephen sees the Lord standing, what's he coming back to do? Judge, pour out wrath. But when he does appear, when he does come back, what does he do? He stepped in to save sinners. 
When he was coming back, he wasn't coming back to save nobody. He's coming back to wage war and vengeance and deliver his people and avenge the enemy. You, you follow that? He, when you read verse 15, to save sinners of whom I am chief, how be it for this cause I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. How in the world, when do you get life everlasting? When you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, for you, you're a sinner. When the Lord appeared, the first person in Acts 9, the first person he talks to is who? Saul of Tarsus, i.e. Paul. You got to pay attention to some of this stuff. Got to dig a little deeper here. Heaven's open. By the way, Saul was blinded. Here's the voice. You know what Christ should have said? What, what did Christ say? Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? You know what he should have said? Saul, you're going to hell. Zap. But he didn't say that. He says what? Why are you persecuting me? What did Saul say? Lord, who art thou, Lord? You see, Saul of Tarsus, the Old Testament rabbinical scholar, he knew from the Old Testament that when the big bright light shines out of heaven, trouble's coming. He wasn't looking for a redeemer on the road to Damascus. What was he looking for? Trouble's coming. This, this event signifies the Lord's return. But he didn't say that, did he? He didn't say, you should have go to hell, but I'm going to do... He says, you know what? I got something new for you, and I'm going to use you. The leading of the rebellion. I'm going to come in here now, verse 16, and I'm going to first in you do some things and then use you now to go out. Do you, do you see what's happening here? Okay. The Corinthians, by the way, all of everything we just looked at is Romans 1, the first five or six verses. The Corinthians should have never been second-guessing Paul's apostleship. They should have understood it, but yet what are they doing? They've allowed the religious superstars to come in and muddy the water. And now they're, we need the proof that you're even who you say you are. So when you go back to 1 Corinthians 3, according to the grace of God, again, a reference to his apostolic authority. He is the apostle to the Gentiles. He is the master, the wise master builder. He's the new apostle for a new dispensation. He's been given a new message regarding a new program called the mystery. And then he says what? I lay a foundation. And that's interesting. I laid a foundation, something new here. Verse 12, but if any man build upon this foundation, verse 11, the foundation is Jesus Christ, according to the preaching of, the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to Revelation of the mystery. We're going to look at that here in just a second. But he says what? I laid the foundation. So this foundation is critical. And the foundation, not of the old houses, Moses and the, the Mosaic and the Messianic, 
But this mystery house, this church, the body of Christ. So he's going to emphasize here this foundation because everything is going to hinge on this foundation. And we need to know how to build upon the foundation. So we got two things here. The foundation, got to identify the proper one, and then we're going to have to identify how to build because of the way verse 10 ends. But let every man take heed how he buildeth. Not whether you build or not, it's how you build. What materials are you using? Okay? So Paul... I laid the foundation. Why? Because I'm the wise master builder. I'm the one in charge of the, making sure everything matches the blueprints. Everything is to code. Everything is on time. The budgets are right. Every, the crews are in the right place. I'm the site supervisor. I'm the guy on time. Here we go. Boom. I've laid the foundation. And the only, verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That's the only foundation you can lay is Christ. But laying the foundation of being Jesus Christ, in what manner? And, and that's really where the issue is here. It has to be the right foundation. So, Paul, I've laid the foundation. Now, let's just think about, come over with me to Romans 15. Because Paul knows and understands, and you and I understand sitting in the room here today. The Corinthians don't get this. That thus, Paul's going to rebuke them. But when he says, I laid the foundation, and the foundation is Jesus Christ, and you're going to build upon this foundation, the proper foundation, identifying the proper foundation is very critical because there is another foundation laid in Scripture. And Paul understands that. And so this laying of the foundation has a very dispensational significance here. This was a, because there, there was a foundation already laid. Now look at Romans 15 and verse 19 and 20. Romans 15, verse 19. 15, 19. Through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, and so that from Jerusalem roundabout unto Iliacrum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Now, this verse gets abused. It gets misunderstood. You have to notice verse 20 very carefully. Every word is important in the verse, as it is in all the verses. Because what happens is, is Paul here is, he is, he assumes that someone has laid another foundation. And he's going to be very careful not to build on that foundation, clearly stated. But what happens in the verse 20 is people use it to say, well, we're not going to go start another church over there because there's already a church there. We're going to come over here. And, and because Christ is being preached there, then we're not going to do that. We're going to come over here, blah, blah, blah. You know that verse doesn't say that? Paul's not saying that he's not going to go up into the territory and preach because Peter is up there. Doesn't say that at all. Notice what the verse does say. The verse doesn't say where Christ is already preached. Verse 20, not where Christ was what? 
named. Isn't that interesting? Not preached, named. Now, he's going to go quote Isaiah 52, and for time, we're not going to go back there. You can go back and look at it, the parallel situation. Verse 21, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. And that's Isaiah 52. Paul uses very specific language here. He doesn't say where Christ was already preached. He says named. And the reason he says named is to maintain the distinction between his ministry, laying a new foundation, and the foundation that's already been laid, that's been identified in the house of Israel and the house of the Messiah. Have I lost you? Okay, come to Matthew 16. We got six minutes to do hours worth of study. Matthew 16. We'll do this quickly and we'll be done. All right, just two, two verses. Paul, what Paul says there about where Christ was named, I'm not going to, uh, I just had it, Romans, <laughs> that quick. I, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Matthew 16. When Paul says that, his ministry and the foundation that's already been laid, he goes, I'm not building on the messianic foundation. I'm not building on that. I'm building on something completely new and different. Look at Matthew 16. It starts in verse 13. <coughs> when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am, that I, the Son of Man, am? Who do they say I am? Well, they, some say you're John, Elijah, okay, verse 15. But he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Who do you, Peter says, You're Christ, the Son of, you're the Messiah. That's who you are. Verse 17, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Notice there's a comma. What do you do in a comma? <gasps> Take a breath. Pause. And upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Upon what rock? The rock, the proclamation that of what Peter just said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. What did he just say? You're the, man, you're the Messiah. And I'm going to build my church. Well, what's his church? He, Hebrews 3. It's the church of the Messiah. It's the little flock, the believing remnant. And they begin to do that. By the way, he gives him the keys of heaven, and off you go, keys to the kingdom, and off you go. Now come over to Acts 4 and watch Peter do this. Acts 4. Peter is going to apply this to real life ministry. Peter's not doing something new. This is Acts 4. There's nothing new here. He's just continuing the, the ministry and the message that the Lord has trained them in. The foundation which Christ has already named. Who do you say I am? What's my name, guys? Some say John, Elijah, and all this other, but who do you say? Who do you? The believing remnant. Who do you say I am? They said, you're the, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. 
See, they named him. Acts 4. Again, nothing here to do with something new. Verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. So who's he talking to? Well, verse 5, And it came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, uh, the high priest and Caiaphas and John uh, and Alexander and as many as were of the kinder of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had, had set them in their midst, they asked, By what power, now watch, or by what name have ye done this? Isn't that interesting? Peter and John have been called on the carpet for healing the, the lame man there back in chapter 3. And you know what happens? They don't ask. They ask what? By what name did you do this in? By whose authority? By what rights do you have? You tell us what school you went to that says you can do that. Verse 8, and then Peter filled with the Holy Ghost. By the way, filled with the Holy Ghost. I think Peter got it right. <laughs> I think Matthew 10 is right. Holy Ghost is going to tell him. If, verse 9, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which the set it not of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Verse 17. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Verse 18. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor touch in, or nor teach in the name of Jesus. What was Peter doing? He's laying, he's building on that foundation of the messianic building and he's doing it with a name paul says you know what i didn't go in there where christ was already named i'm not building on peter's foundation i'm laying a new foundation on my own i didn't go galatians 2 i didn't galatians 1 i didn't go looking for flesh and blood to teach me this i got it right from the big guy do you see that so when you come back to romans well verse uh our uh, chapter 15 verse 20 you got to this isn't a verse that says don't go to Phoenix and start a new church because there's church there already. No, it's not that at all. See. I know it gets used that way cuz it's he didn't already preach, he's already been what? Named. So how was Peter preaching him? According to the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Paul just says we preach Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery how do we preach christ crucified peter bad thing you killed him repent change your thinking about who you just killed because god's got him as the judge and the savior lord and christ here you come we don't think that way we weren't that's a different program paul's very careful in 1520 to keep his ministry romans 1520 separate from peter and what the Lord was doing in the Acts period. 
So when you come back into chapter 3, and it's time to quit, and we'll just, verse 10, he says, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. I built a new foundation, different from Israel, different from the prophetic program, different from the messianic program. I laid this new, and I laid this out, and I'm the master builder. Now what we need to do, and by the way, you can go to Romans 16, 25. I didn't think we needed to do that. You can go back to Ephesians 3, 1 to 5. Then he says here, and this is what we're going to pick up with next time. On He says, but let every man take heed how. Take heed. Be careful. There's a warning here now on the how to build. You see, the issue is not whether you will build or not, because you will build one of the six items. By the way, you'll, build, you'll be building in threes, gold, silver, and precious stone, or wood, hay, and stubble. Okay? You're building. The issue now is, is are you building with the right material? And then we'll get it, and that'll get us into 12, 13, and okay? Because the judgment seat of Christ has nothing to do with your sins. Sin or sins. Calvary took care of all that. And if you believe that the judgment seat of Christ has to do anything with your sin, then you don't understand justification completely. Because you've left a loophole that's got to be fixed over here, and that loophole does not exist in the doctrine of justification of Romans chapter 1 through 5. There is no loop. It is either all or none. Well, just those sin of omissions. Nope. Wrong. So something else is happening over here, and it has to do with our service. And we'll, we'll get into all of that over the coming couple months, okay? All right? I'm not going to run through this, but I'm not going to drag my feet either, I hope. <laughs> I say that, and then I drag my feet, all right? Just catch what's going on. Why does Paul have to do this? Because the Corinthians are doubting his authority as an apostle, and he's got to re-educate them to Romans 16, 25. That we preach Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret but now made manifest. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the word, the study, and the look into it, and the rejoice in it. And we thank you for the grace given to us today in the age of grace by you. We'll just give you the praise and the glory and everything we say and do. In your name we pray, amen.